about a great debate for non-production employees. Work from home, work from the office. What is the best option? So, hey, it's episode eight. Let's get into some controversial stuff. So I don't think I'm going to create a controversy, but I'm going to share my experiences um, at multiple different companies. I'm going to share my experience as a worker. I'm going to share my experience as a leader. And we're going to talk about the pros and cons that come from both of these kinds of approaches to work, whether you're working at home or whether you work in the office or what's becoming really, really common now is this hybrid approach to work. So let's start with the data. First up, the people who want to work 100% remote. Let's talk about why. Why do those people want to work remote? Number one reason, people hate commutes. Okay. I did a TikTok video about a year and a half ago trying to figure out, you know, some of the reasons why people were wanting to be remote when this was starting to become a hot topic. And people talked about commutes over and over. And so I asked them, I said, what's your longest commute? I had people that were commuting two hours a day comment on my TikTok video. Can you imagine two hours a day of commuting? And then two hours a day at the end of the day, commuting home. My name is Katie Ostrico. I'm the host of Breaking Ladders. And we're going to talk about this idea of work from home versus work in the office. And we're going to get into it. So let's talk about these 80 million workers who are working at home at least part time. And really the 30 million that are working at home full time. So. Most of the people talk about this idea of work-life balance, this mysterious, mythical thing, kind of like a unicorn that you might have read about in books that you can completely balance your work life and your home life, and it's amazing and it's totally achievable. I do think work from home allows you more potential to have a balance between your work and your life. Um, but one of the realities is that for most people, work is a part of their life. And it's not something that they can really cut off as, as simply as it sounds. So most people work at home, they feel like they're more productive at home than in the office. Um, and as somebody that spent years in the office furniture industry, um, I can tell you that if you work in an open office, these desks, bench situations where you're out in the open, yeah, you can probably be more productive and concentrate more when you are at home because um, you don't have distractions. You can determine what your desk looks like. You can determine how noisy it is. You can really concentrate. You have a lot of flexibility for those kinds of tasks when you work at home. The reality is, though, is that a lot of people felt like they had that when there were still private offices. And the move away from more private enclosed spaces to these open spaces naturally requires some flexibility for people that need to do concentrative work. Um, about 78% of executives say remote work, whether full-time or part-time, is here to stay. So this trend that really came about from companies, you know, some of them were like, oh, you can't work remote and do this job. Um, the pandemic proved that you can do that with a lot of functional roles inside an office that are non-production based. So that excuse from out the window. The question now is, 
should you work at home? And if you should work at home part of the time, what does this flexible option look like? So let's dive into the pros of working at home. And I'm going to look at this both from an individual worker perspective, but also from an organizational perspective and a leadership perspective. So the pros of working at home, you can have flexibility about when you work, how you work best. You're able to engage in conversation, discussion, um, different types of work that's going on, your Teams chats, Slack, things like that. You can also completely disconnect if you want. And people like, quote unquote, can't find you if you really need that heads down time. Um, certain roles don't require a lot of collaboration with teammates on a day-to-day -day basis. So if you're working at home and your job doesn't need you to have other people as part of your projects, you know, it's really flexible to do that. Um, who does not like wearing yoga pants and being comfortable when doing tasks? You know, right now, because um, it's the end of the day for me, I'm in a hoodie and a super comfortable T-shirt as I'm recording this podcast. So I get this idea of, you know, being at home and being comfortable. And there is a certain expectation when you go into an office that you dress a certain way. So depending on where you live, there are huge constraints if you commute to a big city to work versus if you're living and able to work 100% remote. A lot of people during the pandemic moved um, to get to better neighborhoods, lower cost of living, find their dream home, um, all these different kinds of things. People moved away from where their offices were located um, and didn't worry about the commute because they knew that they didn't have to, to go into the office. Um, so you can remove that commute, whether it's 15 minutes or two hours or whatever it is each way. You know, by working at home, you're getting that time back to either put in more hours at work, wink, wink, or to do something else. Um, you can save money by making your lunch at home. Um, you might be able to work out during the day or take a walk. You can get chores done, like if you need to throw in a load of laundry, which I'll sometimes do, um, and fold it at the end of the day. But I can sort of get through it because it's about a three-minute task, and it gives me a break during the day if I want. You get cost savings on gas, cost savings on clothes, cost savings on not having to go out to lunch. You know, all of these costs that are incurred when you go into an office, that's real. You won't have those working at home. Um, you can focus just on completing your tasks and priorities. So it's not necessarily about hours spent. If you are from a culture where people used to watch whether you're in your seat versus how much you're actually producing, um, work from home allows you to work in your most productive hours. Um, and focus on those tasks. One of the things that I think has been really beneficial is the work from home or fully remote options are great for people with health concerns, um, autoimmune diseases, disabilities, other challenges that limit them from coming into a workspace. Maybe they can't drive. Um, maybe they can't sit in certain chairs. Maybe they need accommodations. You know, this has really allowed an entire group of individuals to find productive, challenging, interesting jobs because they're remote. Um, I work with introverts. I am married to an introvert. Um, so sometimes introverts really lose energy when they have to be around other people. That's like taking the, the juice out of their batteries when they have to socialize and interact and you know, engage with all these people, which is something that you naturally do in an office. So for them to have days where they don't have to do that um, could really juice up their batteries. 
one of the things I always used to laugh about when we would do surveys um, when I was working in the office furniture world was they would ask people, what do they not like the most about their office? Um, the number one complaint was temperature, and it was usually split 50-50 with it's too hot and it's too cold. Um, so if you work at home, you can totally pick whatever temperature you want for your house. Um, and then the second one was always noise. And so you can control the noise that you have in your home. So those are some of the pros when you think about working at home. So I'm going to share with you, and this is where it's going to start to get debatable, um, but I'm going to share with you from my lens what I see are some of the challenges and what leaders and other people who are researching this topic um, around completely work from home remote, what they see are some of the challenges or the cons of that. And I would love for you to engage with this content. And if you have thoughts or if you disagree with this, I would love to know that. A um, couple of things. I think career growth can be limited um, if you're 100% remote, especially if it's not the entire company, if there's a portion of people that are doing it. You don't get visibility, which is something that's important. Um, but it also is a challenge to build relationships, really good, strong ones with leaders. They might know your capabilities on a project but it's very difficult for them to know who you are as a person to potentially advocate for you. If you listen to one of the previous episodes about sponsors versus mentors, um, sponsors will advocate for you, but they have to know you. And it's oftentimes hard for people to get that kind of a relationship with somebody else when they've never met them in person. Um, and I know that makes me sound old as like a Gen Xer, but there is something to that personal connection. Um, and if you don't have relationships with key decision makers, which is sometimes hard to do over Zoom to get that much time with people and you miss the impromptu interactions, um, it could limit your career growth. And if you're okay with that, then zip right on past this comment. Don't worry about it. Um, the other thing it could do is it could pigeonhole you into a specific job. Um, so oftentimes remote jobs, um, what I've seen lately, are very categorized and get very narrow. Um, and so it might limit your potential to work on projects outside of that where you would need to be part of the group or learn from somebody else, um, be sitting side by side. You, you might miss some of those opportunities, which could hinder your advancement in the future. One of the things that I always loved is when I was starting in a new category in marketing was sitting next to people that had done that category for a long time. And it wasn't necessarily that they were training me, but I could overhear how they were answering questions, what kinds of questions they were getting, what they were saying on the phone, what they were talking about to people that stopped by their desk. You miss that informal learning when everybody's remote. Um, you miss having that neighbor next to you where you might know something and you can answer their question. And they might know something and can answer one that's asked of you. Um, I know some people feel that they can build strong relationships with peers via Zoom or Teams. Um, I don't believe for me that that's something I would be able to do really well. Um, you know, to me, I like being in person with people as, as much as I can. When I'm building relationships with peers, it's important for me to spend that time with them. Um, and so if I don't find those places to do that, it limits that team camaraderie that you can create. Um, from a company standpoint, it does create concerns potentially in technology. It could put information at risk, um, depending on like spy software and all these other things that can invade your computer if you click on something wrong. 
you know, sometimes when you take technology out of the building, it does create a risk. Um, if you don't have a strong community outside of work, um, isolating in remote work and having like asynchronous, like I'm talking to you via email and you get back to me via email kind of conversations, um, I think could have a, a long-term effect on your well-being. Um, if you have a strong community and friend network and family network, it might not be as critical. Um, but if you don't, it, I think it could be a very isolating experience. Um, the other thing that I noticed when I had to, to work at home for a couple of months when the pandemic started, we did about six weeks of work at home, um, is it was hard for me because I was kind of working at the kitchen table as my husband was down in the office, was um, breaking work and home. So I would see my computer there. I knew I had stuff to do and I would just like ping over and do it. And it was during the pandemic, there was like nothing else you could do. Um, and so sometimes people are actually overworking when they work at home because they're not able to shut it off. And then for me, I know how I feel in a virtual meeting if it goes longer than an hour and a half. Um, I start to tune out if I'm not actively engaged in that meeting. Um, I think it's just really hard for people that if you're 100% remote and you have all day meetings back to back, it, how to stay engaged in those and how to be present in those meetings. And I think what I find in some of those meetings, if they're not purposeful, you miss the pre and post meeting discussion, which is usually about how was your weekend? What are you up to? How was your vacation? It tends to be more right down to business. And I think you miss just some of that connection with other people. So I would share this from an executive view from work from home. So I will share with you my position with my team. Um, so I manage salespeople um, who are 100% remote. Okay, so I have like an entire portion of my team and they've been that way like forever. So that's a group of people that have always been 100% remote. Um, and you manage them a very specific way. Um, my sales key leaders, um, a couple of them are in the office with me. So I do get a lot of FaceTime with them. And that tends to be the group where we work on the big challenging problems together. And I understand it's a different way to manage. So we try to find time to get FaceTime and travel in their market and get those connections through sales. I mean, the, the human connection is still important, but I have 100% remote team with sales. Um, and then I have a marketing team that has flexibility where they work. Most of them like to come into the office. Um, some of them like to spend half day at one of the other buildings with some other teams that they work with to build relationships. Or one of them will be like, I, I work at home on Fridays. I, my team has flexibility to do that. They just have to give me a heads up on what they're doing. Not because I'm babysitting, just because I need to know if they're in the office or how best to find them if something comes up. We're a small business. It's not like I have a team. Of like six people that do one job. I have like one graphic designer who does all our graphic design. So if I have a question, it just helps me to know where they are. And there are times I work at home too. So I'll do virtual conferences and I'll work at home. Um, and, and we have flexibility to do that um, within our team. Uh, but that's not universal. Um, and so there is no universal company stance, I think. But I think from an executive standpoint, you are going to see more companies starting to require at least a portion of their people be in the office um, for a couple of key reasons. So um, 
companies invest in office spaces, which sounds kind of selfish from that standpoint. They invested, so you have to show up. Um, but they do that because they need to create a certain type of culture and team camaraderie um, and feel in that office. And um, if you don't have an office, some of the benefits of work from home is that you can get talent from anywhere. So executives that are taking a little bit different view of remote are often balancing this, I have an office, I need people to come and use it, with if people are remote, I can get talent from anywhere. I, it doesn't matter where that person works. Um, I, it opens up my talent pool to not be focused on where my zip code is. So many companies pay for big office space. It's a big expense. and they need to justify that or they need to change how they think about it if they're looking to have their teams be remote. Um, one of the things that executives see, and I've had conversations with other leaders about this, um, is when you have people that work at home and you have some that are in the office, when meetings or projects come up during the day, the remote employees are often left out of that. Now, you might be saying, I'm a remote employee. I totally want to be left out of that. Um, but what ends up happening is that the additional projects a lot of times keep getting assigned to the on-site people. And it's creating this weird tension between the 100% remote people and the I come into the office people. Um, and companies are struggling with all of these different types of parameters with employees because they're not sure how to bring in people for projects and assign work and explain what's going on if you miss the discussion. Um, and not every employee is capable of volunteering for things or letting people know when they have more room in their schedule or they've worked through their priorities or have the self-discipline to balance working at home. Um, one of the things that came up when I asked why people are struggling with work from home, I did this because I was curious more as a sales leader. Like I have to, I've been managing remote teams for a long time. And so for me, it was like, why are people freaking out so much about this? One of the things that executives and managers are struggling with is they don't know how to measure performance and effectiveness. And I'm just going to like full stop that. They don't they don't know how to measure it effectively. And so when people are not in the office and they don't get to know them and they don't have the same kind of interaction, they struggle with ways to measure performance. And what I learned is with sales, it's pretty easy. If you have a sales goal, you hit it or you don't. It's a number. Um, how you go about it might be part of the process of what, what you think through. But at the end of the day, I can sort of measure whether you're performing or not in sales. Um, it's harder to do in a creative role, right? It's harder to do if you're a copywriter. Like, is it number of words? Is it the amount of words that you produce that get clicks? Is it, um, you know, the caliber of the words that you write? Like, it's harder to do in certain functions. And some managers are really struggling with that. Um, to me, that's on the company to figure out a different way to measure people and determine if people are performing. But I'm just sharing with you a lot of the conversations that I've had. Um, one of the expectations is that if you work from home, I'm going to pay you less. So if you don't need a desk, like you don't cost as much to me as an employee. Um, and so some are giving that back to their employees. Some are saying you're going to get paid less if you work at home. Um, it can create an us and them culture between production or hourly people or people that are part of an assembly line where they have to be there for their coworkers at a certain time and people that don't. That's the reality 
of kind of office versus production. I don't think that's ever going away. I think that's always been there. Um, and I think that, you know, coupled with this idea of managers trying to figure all these pieces out, this middle manager group is often the most burdened and has the least amount of authority and therefore tend to get the most burned out. Um, and so if they don't have training on how to do this, how to manage role people or the process, um, you know, they can really struggle and get burnt out and not want to do this anymore. So, so one of the questions I asked, and I mentioned a little bit, I, I did a TikTok about a year and a half ago and, and was asking why, you know, people felt that managers were struggling with employees going remote. Um, and the main reason they said was you can't measure productivity in my job. It's not a productivity job. Um, and they also mentioned that managers are struggling or were struggling with remote employees because they couldn't justify their experience and their existence in the company if they weren't in back-to-back -back meetings and tracking employees and checking up on people in very traditional ways. Um, and there probably is something to that idea that they're struggling with that. There, there was probably a way that they were brought up as managers, trained what they saw before them, um, and had this perception of like, that's what it is. You know, I laugh. Um, there was a company I worked for where the status symbol at the company was, would you be triple booked for meetings? Like, were you that important that so many people wanted to meet with you? Um, and like, just PS as a side note, like that's a big company problem, small company problems. We just, we don't have time for that stuff. So we might have longer meetings that go until we get problem solved, but we move a lot quicker. Um, but it's interesting, those meetings and different things of tracking your employees and who stays in late. It's, to some old school managers, that's a status thing and they're struggling with this. Some people don't know how to build a relationship digitally. And it's hard and you have to be purposeful about it. And the younger generations are so much better at this. And when you think about reverse mentoring, I think there's an opportunity for people under the age of 35 to mentor those of us in our mid-40s and older of, of how do you really connect with somebody digitally in the same way that you would in person. You know, I grew up with a telephone that was attached to the wall. Um, and so digital, you know, I'm, I'm not a digital native. And that's why I was laughing about Gen Xers. We're the most adaptable because we work through all different types of things. We can adapt to whatever, but it's not our native language. You know, we, we would go out for all day during the summer and play with friends and come home to eat. And you'd grab lunch at whoever's house you were closest to. Like we were just these nomadic kids doing our own thing, but always with a group of people. And so that human interaction was really important to us. Um, but as you look at kids that were coming up that being digital was more native to them, they're able to form bonds and relationships in ways that that I would struggle with. And so I think that's an opportunity for the younger generation to teach how to do that, um, especially if you're managing a remote team. Um, and if you don't have good performance metrics, people are going to struggle. Um, they're going to struggle with, are they doing a good job? Am I engaged? You know, I think keeping a remote employee engaged is like twice as hard to do because you assume that they're going to pick up things that you can't when you're not physically with other people. Company culture, um, nuances, the unwritten rules, the tribal knowledge, all this stuff that happens at, at companies. Um, and so from that perspective, 
you know, I think companies are going to continue to struggle with this. They know it's here, but I think having to rethink how teams are formed, how work is assigned, how things are measured, how managers are trained, and how leaders view the people in their organization has gone through somewhat of a shift, but I still think it's going through a shift and it probably will for the next couple of years. So I worked for a company that embraced remote workers way before 2020. So a company I worked at about seven or eight years ago, um, they did it because at more senior levels, they wanted absolute flexibility with finding great people and didn't care where they lived. Um, they allowed people to stay with the organization and work fully remote if their spouse got a different job. Um, and so they wouldn't have to quit. You wouldn't lose that knowledge. And the expectation was that they had a certain amount of technology to do a lot of meetings before Teams and Zoom got so ubiquitous everywhere. Um, they also had an expectation that they would spend one week a month in the office. Um, so they did have kind of that three weeks off, one week on with a lot of calls and interactions and collaborations. That was the way that that culture was. Um, and because it was part of the culture, nobody thought anything about it. Um, I worked at an organization that did not believe in remote work back in the early to mid 2000s. And when people worked remote, they had to call their manager at 502 to let them know if they were stopping work for the day and give them a full report of what they did because there was no trust that anybody was working at home. So. Even, you know, throughout the last 20 years, companies have been exploring this idea of remote work for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I think the pandemic just pushed it onto organizations that weren't as comfortable and forced them to get comfortable quickly. So I'm going to share with you on the flip side. So we talked a little bit about working from home, how that's viewed, some of the challenges, what that looks like. We're going to flip this over and we're going to look at what are the pros of coming into the office? Okay. So one of the things that is helpful when you're in the office is your work and the things you're working on and your successes and what you accomplish become a lot more visible. Um, you're not just working at your computer most of the time. You're working on projects, you're brainstorming, you're scribbling on walls, you're tacking stuff up. There is this kind of idea that you're working on things where your successes become more visible when you're in the office. Um, I recently had the chance to go to a luncheon on um, Monday with the uh, CEO of Gallup, who does all the surveys. Um, and he mentioned that employee well-being and this idea of well-being, you have all these different pieces and work is a key piece. And he talked about people not being in the office. They are missing that component of their well-being. Now, this is where you might go like, I ain't missing nothing. But there is this idea of building relationships with people at work and creating this sense of community. And if you do it right, you're like, it's us against the competition. We're in this. We got this. We're going. There is kind of that team feeling. And one of the things in the Gallup survey, so they have these 12 questions that they do, um, is do you have a best friend at work? That was their measure, and they get a lot of pushback on that. Um, but it's that idea of that that friend connection that keeps you engaged in that person at work. Some of the other pros of coming into the office, do you get more personalized recognition, um, more coaching? You get more access to leadership because they're likely in the office more. Um, some people like coming into the office. You know, they like 
being part of that office culture, the office dynamic, you know, and, and being a part of that network and group every day. Um, if you're an extrovert, it's probably something you need to survive. Um, this idea of thriving without any interactions and socializations. For the introvert, that fills up their batteries. For the extrovert, if you don't have those interactions, it's depleting your batteries. I, I, luckily, I'm an amnivert, so I just kind of float where I feel like. Um, you get to know the company culture. You get to know all the tribal knowledge things, all the things that aren't written down. All these things are just part of who this company is and what they do. Um, and one of the big things about coming into the office, depending on the size of your organization and the way that the culture is, you know, you can participate in a lot of conversations, impromptu meetings. Um, you can showcase your talent in different ways. You can, you know, make connections on projects and, and get yourself into things that might be harder to do if you're remote. So let's talk about the cons of work working in the office. Um, studies show that people are, are more productive when they're at home. You know, most people feel that way. There's lots of interruptions in the office. It's hard to get back on track when people interrupt you. Um, hey, I need five minutes could become 35 minutes or three hours, depending on what's going on. Um, and when people move from private offices to open offices, you've lost the ability to control your distractions. At my company, a lot of us still do private offices. Um, that was something that was important to us. We try to put a lot of people in there and we also minimize how people are in the open so that they're somewhat enclosed and clustered and can have some privacy. Probably because I spent years doing office furniture and know some of the nuances of why not to just stick everybody in a bench and hope for the best. Some of the other cons of working in an office is if the culture is toxic, the employees are toxic, you're stuck with them all day. These are your people. You don't necessarily get to choose who you sit next to. Um, you know, the open seating, which it was totally a cost reduction move by companies that they tell you it's this whole collaborative spirit and all this stuff. Total garbage. It was a cost reduction move. They would spend, you know, 4000 on your office if it was a cube with high walls and the fake doors and all that stuff. They would spend 900 bucks on you if it was, you know, you sitting on a bench with a chair. It's a cost reduction measure that they disguise as collaboration, um, but it creates a ton of distractions. And so what people do is they learn to put headphones in and they just tune out anyway. And you don't have a control about where you sit or where your office is, or what you're doing, or what your lighting is, or what your temperature is, right? So there's all these downsides. Um, but leaders continue to see this, this need to have people come into the office. So let me talk to you about what some of them are sharing. Um, older generations want people to be visible, not to track you. Like if, if they have time to track you, they need something else to do. They want to build connections, and, and that's how they do it. Um, but they recognize that as people are moving to other areas, by forcing people to come into the office, you're limiting your talent pool to the zip code that your facility is in. People want human activity. The leaders want to get to know their teams on a personal basis. They want to spend time with them. They want to spend lots of time with them and get to know them, potentially get to know their family and be part of this community of people that they spend their time with. And they want to really encourage people to get to know them because um, that's how you identify future leaders. And for a lot of people in leadership right now, it's still a face-to-face, -face, you know, human interaction kind of game. Um, most people are willing to be flexible with days that are in the office and not. So most leaders talk about it as a flexibility thing. 
you know, the worst horror stories you hear is like, you have to come into the office two days and you come in, but like nobody else does. And so you're still on remote calls all day. Like that, that doesn't help you. Um, but figuring out how your teams and the people you work with to get some face time with them, some collaboration time with them is what leaders are talking about. Um, but, you know, allowing people some flexibility. So I'm going to share with you our story of what our company did during the pandemic. Um, again, I'm not preaching this for anyone else. This is just our culture, our company, our leadership group, and what we decided to do. So I'm going to share this with you and some of the, the pluses that we experienced and some of the negatives. Okay, so the pandemic hit. We sent everybody from the offices home, except our head of operations and our head of HR. They still came into the office, and so did our production team. We were part of the um, building and construction community, so we were deemed essential. Kind of house and home is an essential need for people. Um, so we were open. Open meant most of us in the office were working remote, and our production team was showing up every day and, and working. Um, I worked at my kitchen table. So we did calls with the marketing team daily. Like we were very like, we need people. We need to talk every day. Sales, we were doing calls weekly. Um, we had to structure work to be remote. My sales team was not used to being 100% remote. They were used to engaging with customers. And so that was really hard. Um, I would have leadership meetings with the executive team. We would be meeting for like three to four hours every morning, trying to figure out what was going on, what was happening. How long was this going to take? What is the volume going to look like? Do we need to order more material? How are we dealing with people? Student at the kitchen table. Um, I laugh. My son was in kindergarten. So my husband's working in the basement. I'm at the kitchen table. We're like, yeah, we'll get to you later today with your remote class or whatever when you have to color or do a picture. So half the time he'd be like sitting in his pajamas on the couch at noon and come in and go, hey, mom, I need lunch. Um, so thankfully he wasn't older and I didn't actually need to do schooling with him at that point. We were really flexible with it. Um, but we took on other roles and we downsized. So we had to eliminate some folks because we weren't sure what was going to go on. Um, so many of us were working multiple roles. We were working a lot of hours. Um, and we started to sense this struggle between the team that was going in every day for production and the team that was working at home. And as a leadership group, we started to see this us and them happening. Um, and we weren't being as efficient as a group because we were kind of clustering things into those four hours. Well, not everybody is creative from like 8 to 10 in the morning or 8 to 11 in the morning. You know, my boss is like a 4 a.m. to like 2.15. I'm like a 9.30-ish to like 5, 6 o'clock, right? That, like, so everybody has different sweet spots and it just, it just wasn't working. Um, and so I remember we were sitting down as a group and we kind of had this conversation. We were going back and forth. What should we do? What should we do? Um, and this was about, you know, four or five, maybe six weeks after the pandemic shut everything down. So still relatively fresh. A lot of people didn't know what's going on. You're kind of making do with whatever. And my boss said, you know, my position is if we're open, we're open. And if we're open, we're all in this together. We should all be here together. And all of us on the executive team echoed that. My team had actually been asking in marketing for a while, like, hey, when can we like come back and like see people face to face? 
So we knew we couldn't do certain things, right? Our culture was we wanted to be in person. We do a lot of impromptu discussions. We don't structure a lot of meetings. A lot of decisions get made on, you know, random conversations that start that then pull a group of people in and you kind of work through stuff. That That's how our culture is. And so being remote for us did not work. Um, we weren't being as effective. So we spaced everybody out, right? So we did buffer offices. My team took over the front of an office that was kind of across the street where we were renting the warehouse space. Nobody had touched the front office space. So my team actually went in on a Thursday, Friday, and we like painted all the offices and found some old furniture. And so I ordered stuff from Ikea and we just wanted to see each other. Um, and so everybody kind of had their own offices. We spaced everybody out um, and we all came back. Um, and for us, we were going through record sales as a company. We were having supply chain challenges that we had never seen. None of our customers would let us in. Everything was crazy. Um, and if we hadn't been together, I don't think we would have survived it as well as we did. Now, again, not for every company, but for our culture, it was so important for us to be together and see people and work through this. And we had to manage through all the changes, masks, no masks, masks in your office, masks in meetings, check your temperature, don't worry about your temperature, can we have guests in the building, no guests in the building, you know, all these different kinds of things that we managed through, which was a lot to do, but our culture got richer because we were together through this entire thing. We took six weeks where we weren't, and the rest of it, we were together. Um, and it probably limited who we could hire when we started hiring people. Because some people I know, I interviewed a couple people that were like, I want to be 100% remote. And I'm like, we don't do that. Um, so it limited some of the talent. We also found people that wanted to be with other people all day. And so we probably got talent um, that we might not have because of how we approached it. Um, but it's one of those things that each company and teams and leadership groups have to figure out what works for them. You know, that worked for us and it allowed us to grow and prosper and do things as a group in a way and bonded us together in a way, specifically as a leadership group and my team in particular, because we were kind of these like rogue marketing and salespeople in our own building. We got to do whatever we wanted over there. It was super fun. Um, you know, it made us a lot closer team that there's no way I think we would have had that connection had we been remote. And that's from my lens, um, both as a teammate and as, as a leader. So, you know, for me, I think the pandemic proved that you can do jobs remote. But even if you can, I think the question that people are asking now is, should you? Um, and managers have to think differently. Companies have to think differently. You're going to probably see a reduction in office space and a bump up in travel budgets. You're going to see um, different ways to invest in talent. You're going to see different ways to recognize and assign projects and give clarity and bring people in. You're going to have to find a way that when you're having an impromptu discussion, you go, you know what, we're going to FaceTime somebody in on this because they need to be part of this and figure out a way to have them engage with the meeting as if they were there. Um, it's changed the perception of office work forever. The question is, how is this going to normalize out and where is this going to land? And I don't think we're going to know probably for the next three to five years how this is going to flush itself out. And the reality is, is you're probably going to have people that will be in the, I want to work 100% in the office camp. You're going to have a group of people that want flexibility to work in the office and some days at home. And you're going to have a group of people that are 100% remote. 
That's my perception of what I think is going to happen. Um, and so the question for you as an employee would be what drives your decision? What do you need to have well-being in your life? And on the flip side, as a leader, if you're looking at your company and you're looking at your people and your talent, what decisions are driving the direction you're making? And are you doing things because it's easier for you or because it's right for the team? And what's right today might change. And so communication and understanding and open dialogue needs to be a key piece of that. Um, no two companies are alike. No two cultures are alike. No two behaviors of teams are even alike. And so leaders have to be flexible. They have to understand the challenges and issues. They have to work within the parameters that work best for their whole organization. They have to figure out ways to bring in other people to their team and figure out ways to connect with them and connect and bridge from this home to this office environment. So I wanted to share that lens with you and talk through this because it's been in the news a lot more lately and people are doing more studies on it. And I think we're seeing this swing back from everybody could be fully remote to, you know, Disney saying you got to be in the office four days a week. And you're going to see this back and forth continue to happen until this normalizes or until this flushes out with what types of work, what types of people, what types of companies can work remote and work in the office or some hybrid of both. So I'd love to know what you think about this. You know, do you like working from home? Are you an office person? Are you a hybrid structured person or a hybrid random person? That's what I would call myself. I'm like a hybrid random. I'm mostly in the office like 90% of the time, but every once in a while I'm like, I'm taking a day, I'm working at home, I'm taking a day here, I'm doing a half day here, I'm working off site. I'm a, I'm a random hybrid, um, but I have people on my team that are 100% remote, 100% in the office, and structured hybrid people and random hybrid people. So it can be done in, in a lot of different ways. So what do you like? What works for you? What are your thoughts on this? Where do you think it's gonna land? And more importantly, as an employee, what do you think is holding companies back from fully embracing whatever style work you wanna have? And on the flip side, as a leader, what are you struggling with when it comes to figuring out how to give people flexibility of where to work? So connect on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube at Breaking Ladders. You can connect with me on breakingladders2 at gmail.com. And I would love to hear what you think about this topic because I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And as companies and leaders and employees, we're going to have to figure out where this lands, this bridge between hybrid work, remote work, and working in the office. Talk to you again soon.